So, podcast listeners, uh, we were the team were just about to start uh, tonight's podcast, and uh, guess who just turned up? The creator, Simon Hall. So, Simon, how's things? Hello. Yeah, lovely to be here. No, it's it's good. Yeah, nice to be in the UK. I'm actually in the UK, everybody. We made it through through a variety of different COVID tests here and there. I've uh, My nose has been suitably tickled by many a nurse, and now I'm here. <laughs> so, actually, something having something stuck up your nasal passages after what you went through earlier in the year was probably was probably not a great thing no it has its yeah no it's thankfully it proves i'm fully recovered right because oh, it good. didn't cause me any great problems but oh, i was oh, i good. did approach it with a with a little bit of trepidation i have to admit so uh yeah could have given a nurse a really nasty surprise uh, yeah yeah it could have been unpleasant but no everything's fully healed i'm in great shape really good shape i'm very happy to be here i had a we had a trip over here via greece um, so I managed to get into Athens for a, for a few days, met up with the players in Athens, had a fabulous visit to their 28 mil Maximus tournament they were running, 8,000 points aside, look lovely, some awesome figures, I see some really beautiful armies on the table, um, and the week after they headed off to Patra, so they've had a great gathering of Athens and Patra together, which is the two biggest of the uh, clubs in the area, so it's growing really nicely in Greece and lots of lovely conversations there. They're a really good bunch of guys. As they well. are. They're they're, they're really excellent. Are. Yeah, they're really good. Any, uh, they've got an event in November, I believe. It's something like the 20, 22nd-ish from a guest off the top of my head. So anybody who fancies a trip to others and some fantastic hosts will treat you like VIPs, it's well worth a visit if you can go. I, I have a recollection vaguely that, Ray, you may already be booked up, if I remember. Yes, uh, I, I'm certainly... Yes, yes, and I have a... a this sort of roving air ticket, which keeps being refunded and rebooked. There we go. There yeah, we go. So I'm, I, 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 will, I love Greece and I, I will be there if I can. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're super. It's really fantastic. And actually, I met some great old friends I play with, like Costas, who we've played with before, but particularly we've got Panos playing now, who's a, was the biggest contact in Greece back in the DBM days. He's now hooked on Meg and has come across oh. and singing his praises. So, so it was lovely to see Panos in action and he got Esme to roll some of his dice and won a trophy and gave it to Esme. So everybody... Oh, lovely. How about that? So that was really good. Lovely. Um, yeah. And we're certainly seeing in the UK, Simon, we're seeing more and more people come across. I mean, um, I don't want to jump ahead to the main part of the, uh, part of the podcast, but yeah, but um, in terms of growth of Meg, I mean, to have... Uh, the people in uh, Battlefield Hobbies, there were some real old stalwarts of wargaming, weren't there, Nick, up there? Bunshot boys were there. Yep, and they're actually quite new to Meg at the moment, so but seem to have, have a great time, and um, I think they've already now booked for at least one of the competitions. I heard they're coming to Cross and Crescent. That's the one up in yeah, Stockholm. There were some spare tickets, and I think they're coming, so happy days. I mean, they're, you know, they're proper old-school wargamers. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was very interesting, one of the conversations I had in Greece with one of the players there, and I think it sort of sums up how we're doing on that front. It said, what's great is Meg combines everything I loved about the old war game systems I used to like and gets rid of everything I disliked about them, which is funny. It's quite interesting. I think it's sort of got a bit of truth in it. You know, there's some of the WRG four, five, six, seven fans liked quite a bit of army character and bits and pieces, but didn't like a lot of the mechanics. So yeah, I think I'm, picking I'm, up I'm, a lot of people like that. You know, I remember in the early days, and I never remember the, the, but you know, there were rules, WRG rules where, you know, 
every single piece of equipment that the person had, you know, darts, this, that, the other. And you had to like factor it all in and you had to be an accountant. Yeah. And uh, I know I've got two accountants pretty much on there. No, two, two people good with figures on the, uh, on the podcast tonight, but you had to be good with figures. And, and now that's all rolled into the factors. And I really yeah, like exactly. It. And I think that's, that was a very shrewd comment by one of the longstanding war gamers over there. He said, that's yeah. how I'm explaining it to people. And they're gaining people who love those sets of rules who, didn't like the more abstracted system. So I think we're gaining a lot of people from there. I think the other thing that's really lovely is um, we're gaining loads of people from places I have don't know at all, you know, backgrounds that, have, that are very different. So we've got people coming in from sci-fi gaming. I've, I've heard some lovely comments and I've messaged from people who've come in from the games workshop world and they've seen the funky dice and thought, I'd like to have a go at some of this. And they've brought pack to armies and have got going. We've got people coming in from playing Napoleonics and World War II who we've never seen on the ancient war game circuit. Yeah. So I think the, the message I gave a couple of years ago to say, look, this is all about a set of rules where we can grow the community and let's focus on bringing in new players. It's not about arguing with other people who like other rule sets. Suggest so they try it, suggest so they try everything, but we can bring a load of players in from other places. And we've achieved that without any opportunity of word of mouth due to COVID. So as COVID goes away, our biggest marketing asset, which is all of you and seeing people and speaking to people and spreading the news word of mouth suddenly cuts back into it. I think we've got a bright future growing. I'm feeling very enthused about it. It's good. And, and I think that brings us neatly on to the, uh, the main part of the podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had a competition at the weekend, you know, was it originally intended that we were all going to be in one place? Mm. Our prime minister said that was not possible and um, we didn't let it. You know, yeah, we just got on with it and we oh, split the competition. Um, the flexibility of everyone involved was fantastic. Um, and I have to say, especially to our, my fellow uh, podcast host, Nick, who was so flexible that on the Friday night at 10 o'clock, uh, we arranged that he was going to go to the completely different competition that he'd originally signed up for. So um, thank you, Nick, for doing that. that because we had Sid, uh, unfortunately, Sid uh, was twice late. As twice his late. Son yeah. was yeah. at Wembley. That, he, we, his son was at the Super Spreader event. Ah, oh, um, that would do it. So, yes. Anyway, so... Yeah, it's very good. I, I, I was watching that from afar, and the, the way you guys managed to quickly adapt it into two different settings and sort the numbers out and just keep it going was fabulous. But it's typical of what we're seeing in, the, in this. I mean, it's, it's like the Greeks. They're very committed. You know, these people in Athens got in their cars and drove the trip to yeah. to Patras, which is, you know, an hour or so's drive to spend the day with them playing Pacto, which is fantastic. It's absolutely great. Two great people. Nick does that on a weekly basis to come to my house and have a game. <laughs> he does, yeah. Well, absolutely, yeah. And then what else can I give you in terms of updates? There's, um, well, the reprint is nearly ready to be, print to, to be done. So just to reassure everybody, that is a reprint. It's no changes at all, zero changes. What I have done is there's a very nice chap called Stephen Osborne from Australia, who's an excellent grammar expert and is the pickiest proofreader I've so far found. So he's managed to spot, despite all of us, I think everybody, I think Richard was a proofreader and Nick was a proofreader, you weren't, Ray, but we have 15 proofreaders. We still managed to get 26 typos through, <laughs> which is impressive, eh? This guy spotted 26, you know, because he doesn't really want to, and he's, and he's reworded a few sentences that were very clumsy that are much clearer expressed another way. So just to reassure everybody, that's the only change. Um, 
And the only other thing we've done is padded out the blank pages with new artwork because we left those deliberately blank so we could put photographed pages of the PSC figures in when they were ready. So, so they've been filled with new photographs. So it, it, on the front, it says first reprint. And on the side, it says first reprint. But there's no change at all. So just reassure everybody, it's zero change. It's just taking the opportunity to reprint to spot the 26 times we've managed. And, Ooh, and get some more stock into the retail channel. Exactly. So that's very exciting. So that's that's going ahead. Um, that's going ahead soon. I think the uh, the Greeks have done the Greek figures have done very well. The uh, the latest set of uh, Greek figures that were done with the PSC plastics have got great reviews. I think the Persians are coming up uh, fairly soon. So they're working on the Persians next. I so, saw some of the um, I looked at a box of the Greeks at Battlefield Hobbies uh, at the weekend. Yet they are. They're fantastic. I mean, yeah. when you paint those up, you will not know that it's from the metal. I yeah. mean, which, which is true of a lot of the ones they've already done, but the 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 Zeiston ones in in the Ultra, they're just it's quite staggering actually <laughs> yes I, I i agree i've got my first set here first time i'd seen them in the flesh and they're amazing i mean yeah, they, may, right. they may want to build a brand new hoplite greek army and get rid of my several hundred bases of hoplites that i currently have which is the problem we all have isn't it we start saying <laughs> i know i've got the army twice but hey uh, i probably need a third time with better figures i think we're gonna have to do uh, that. i'm a sucker for that but i nearly bought a box just on the basis that they're really nice <laughs> and then yeah. I had to think. No, I've just I've just ordered a load of stuff from from Kurazan in America. <laughs> yeah. My lead pile is already large enough. And, and in other bits, as people listening, the the face to face gaming events are starting to pick up. So I had the latest um, materials through for Historicon. So for all your listeners in the US, there will be events at Historicon. They'll be announced fairly soon. Dave Lowerman and, and Rob Smith are running them. So go along and join in the fun there. That should be a really good event. Uh, in the UK, if I can put out the appeal now, we can now formally confirm the LGT after what the government have announced with the freedom from the 19th. So it is now definitely, definitely going ahead. So now's the time to push for numbers. Anybody who hasn't signed up yet for the Maximus World Championship and wants to have a go, it's still going to be super friendly. I mean, we're all a bit competitive when it comes to the last few games. Of course, we are because everybody wants to try and win it. But at the same time, it's an incredibly supportive and friendly community that we have within Meg. So if you can rustle up a Maximus army, come along and join in and join the World Championship. There are already 34 players signed up at this point in time, and it hasn't really been marketed fully yet because it wasn't totally clear it could go ahead. So as of, as of the confirmation today, we'll be marketing that much more heavily. For those of you who want something more lighthearted and fun, I can now fully confirm that I'll be there in person, which was one thing that was a bit up in the air. And I will be running a Pacto event for everybody if we can get enough numbers. It's purely a fun event. So if you don't want to be engaged in a heavier competition, come along, bring a Pacto army if you've got one, and I'm going to shuffle people around just to make the games as interesting as possible. And I'm going to do some tuition of everybody playing Pacto and in between games we're going to have a walk around the Maximus games and study what Nick Richard and Ray are doing on those tables and I'll sneakily comment in the background so there'll be a, there should be a lot of uh, fun learning to do for those of you who are new to the game directly from me and if we can get enough players we'll have a blast we need uh, about half a dozen people to be signing up to that Pacto event to make it work so tell your friends sign up come along it's going to be a lot of fun and, and there's no pressure, no stress. And if you've never been to a competition, you think, oh, they're too competitive. Trust me, treat this as an event and it won't be competitive at all. It'll just be a hoot. So do, do sign up for that um, and join in with that as it, uh, as it progresses through the year. Um, I will also, in other events, I now confirm, Salute is now confirmed for November. Uh, I will be there as well. 
and we will have two Meg participation games going. They're both going to be based on Richard's book, Age of Attila. They're going to be the refight from that. You can come and take over an army, invite your friends. They can take over a command with a little bit of help and play for an hour and then ditch out and let somebody else take over for a little bit. So they can come along, make a mess, get the troops all in the wrong place, and then they can leave it to somebody else to decide to get there after. <laughs> so there's, 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 there's plenty of opportunities to have some fun doing that one. There'll also be a Pactor version of the game, which I think we are going to be able to do in 28 mil, thanks to two very kind offers I've had of figures. And I'm going to step over and play that once or twice. And if somebody wants to come along and play me with a bit of help from one of the other guys, um, if you win, you can have a free copy of the rules. So there you go. So come along and try that. Excellent. But, but I'll be playing for real. I'm not giving away these copies for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so uh, you know, somebody's got to win. But I'll, I'll perfectly allow Richard or Ray or anybody around to give a hand and then see if you can see if you can rumble me. So we've got exciting stuff also going on with those. But I, I can't emphasize enough the LGT guys for everybody. Just try and promote that as many people as we can get to that as possible. It will be great for the game and great for the future. And it's going to be a fab event. And I think, Ray, you can talk to the quality of that event in 2019 when they ran it previously, prior to COVID uh, stumbling and stopping us doing anything. Oh, the, I mean, two, two things. I mean, so just to avoid the confusion, this is Meg Skull Roll, as you're talking about. It's our Meg World Champion. The venue, the event it's part of is LGT. So anyone getting confused? No, this is, we're talking about Meg Skull Rollers, but the event that it's part of is a very well-organized event at a very good location. So, uh, and we've pitched that a few times on the on the pod. So um, what I want to do now is, because um, it's it's lovely hearing from you, Simon, and, and dropping in and stay with us, stay with us. because It's I'm a sure pleasure. Hilarity. I probably need to head off, actually. Um, including a head-to-head between Richard and I at a tournament. Oh, very good. Well, they're bugging me. Um, they're bugging me, actually, to move away. So I think yeah, there's one yeah. last comment, actually, Guy. To just say that, just to finish things off, Ray has told me that under no circumstances am I allowed to mention Divisions of Steel on this particular <laughs> podcast because it's entirely it. about agents. So I will not be telling any of you that it's nearly ready and it's all coming <laughs> So just to be very clear about that, I hope that's fulfilled the objectives. Yes, very good. Right. <laughs> On now. Are you on that happy note, enjoy chaps. Wish I could join you for longer, but I'd better go and do a bit of family duty. All right, then, buddy. Good to Good see you. Yes, Hopefully, oh, I feel like Doctor Who and the and the and the, and the Time Lords just dropped in out of you know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So this week, so we're a podcast now. Back on track. We're going to talk about um, a tournament that went ahead, and I think we had. I'm going to say. 26 players in total, does that sound right? 26 yep. players playing in two different locations. There were four pods in in, in in Battlefield Hobbies. I mean, this was, it was a COVID wet dream. And I'll tell you what, we managed it. We got it over the line and all the results are up. And I, from what, from what I saw at the Southern uh, event, you know, Everything went off streams really well. Everyone was just—it was just great. I think. I, was, I think we should explain to our our listener that you you were a perfect host for the Southern event. Oh, um, and that uh, you made it very easy for everyone to have a have a really good uh, time. Uh, that's it's nice that you say that, but but and it's true. It's true. But it made easier by the fact I think we were all you know. We were all so glad just to get out the bloody house and, you know, have a game of Meg with other people. It was fantastic. Uh, and it was pretty much the hottest weekend of the year. <laughs> it really was. So it really uh, was. that that's, uh, that 
that the fact that everybody stayed relatively calm uh, was... Well, but Richard, I don't, because Nick will now tell you that it wasn't quite so cool at Battlefield Hobbies. <laughs> no. Um, we were was... outside, so listeners, we had people outside so we could all be together playing under canvas with a nice onshore breeze. Um, yeah, Battlefield Hobbies, they were inside. Yeah, I, I, I think the key things there were you were under some shade in a nice cool breeze. Because uh, I have to say, whilst it, it was certainly pretty warm inside Battlefield Hobbies, especially in the afternoon, but if you stepped outside, it was warmer outside. <laughs> so, you know, dis despite everything... <laughs> It, it, it certainly wasn't as warm as the old battle shop. No, unless said about that. Really uncomfortable. This was so, this was unbearably uncomfortable. So more more like desert conditions than. Uh... I, I find I only really really noticed when I wasn't doing anything. When you're engaged in the game, your brain's on. It's when you sort of took a step back, you thought, "Blimey, now it's a bit warm. My t-shirts are yeah. sticky." Yeah, and, yeah. and yeah, it's. I think the main thing is everybody managed to more or less stay hydrated, although. Uh, uh, my, my second game, which was with Dave Parrish, I think both of us were so engrossed at the end of it, we were a bit dehydrated. Yes, <laughs> but, I, I, I felt a bit like, I did feel a bit like Dad at some points, telling everyone, keep drinking water, keep drinking water. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not so sure our listeners want to hear us just chuffing along like this. So why don't we talk about what we, what we want to talk about, which is playing games of Meg. Um, so, um, so we've got a good, uh, a good few games. Obviously, each of us played four games against four different armies. And uh, so why don't we kick off and just go round robin. Um, Richard, game one, Nick, game one, and me, game one. Let's just, just do it like that and try and give some flavour of our op opponent's list and try and tell listeners... Uh, Shall I start think? by describing my list and then I can describe my opponent? So cool. I came to, I came to the comments. Sorry? You just cut me off short. I, I was just asking a question. Sure enough. Uh, so, just get a bit dictatorial from uh, Ray. Right? <laughs> um, so, uh, the army I took was early German. Uh, so, it was uh, based on the armies that fought Rome in 172 and 3 uh, AD, or your taste. Um, so, it's a Marcomanni army, uh, but it actually has two allies. One is an internal chatty ally, and the other is a quaddy. Um, so the structure was two Marcomani commanders. The army commander was conflictive and a subgeneral that's mediocre instinctive, and then two talented allies, uh, generals, along with that. Um, there, the army had uh, uh, six Marcomani units or UGs, um, two cavalry who are form loose, average, pretty unskilled javelin, short spear. And because of a shortage of points, only one of them had shoot and charge characteristic. Uh, I had two units of Marcomani warriors. Uh, they're just uh, tribal flexible average with devastating charges. They were in nines. The cavalry were in fours. And I had two uh, sixes of uh, skirmishing archers, just average unpleasant experience, both combat shy. Um, that was the Marcomani component with the idea that um, the uh, army commander could take either two cavalry or two warriors or possibly three uh, UGs, and the mediocre would take the remainder. Um, the skirmishers allocated as a um, The chatty ally is pretty straightforward. Three units of 
nine uh, chatty warriors. Uh, the subtlety there is that the front rank, so a third of the unit, is superior. Um, but otherwise, they're infantry tribal flex protected devs. Um, the idea with the chatty is that they, under their talented general, they just sit in the middle um, and the army, the, generally the Quadi formed one ring, Makamani the other, and with the possibility of reinforcing the Quadi with uh, Makamani. Um, the Quadi themselves, uh, four, four UGs, two warriors who are infantry tribal flexible, average protected short spear devastating chargers, they were in eights, and two units of Quadi cavalry, they are form loose superior protected devastating charger melee expert. So they're, they're really tough um, guys. And I have to say, we're the most useless fighters the whole weekend. Um, <laughs> considering their uh, characteristics, they really were disappointing. <laughs> so blame it on my dice roll. And, and Ray at the moment is nodding. <laughs> I've not said a word. Um, so my first game was up against uh, Nigel's Imishi. If you're a follower of Facebook, you've probably seen this army on the Meg. Uh, Facebook uh, group, um, 24 UGs, no, sorry, 18 UGs of four um, flexible cavalry. Um, six of them skilled bow, um, 12 of them experienced bow. Personally, not how I would have taken the <laughs> army. However, anything that can pull, put together 12 files of skilled shooters is taken lightly. Um, key thing here was I uh, won the initial dice roll, so chose to defend in forest. Um, then the terrain fell so that I was able to put all the terrain on Nigel's side of the table, pretty much touching his rear edge to give him nowhere to run to. Um, and uh, although he did two flank marches, uh, he had um, I think three competent uh, sub-generals in the town of the commander. Again, I'm not sure that would be my preference. Um, he flank-marched both sides with three units experienced shooters. Um, and the one on the uh, right arrived the first turn, and the one on the left never arrived. Um, essentially, I advanced and pushed him back into the terrain that he didn't want to go into um, and he chose to fort uh, really um, never got enough shooting into damage to make the melees um, so um, that ended up being a fairly convincing uh, win for the German but uh, uh, yeah it, as I still say anything that contains 12 files of skilled shooters is is going to draw my attention yeah okay uh so can I just say, just for the for the for the listener, firstly, this is a question. Can you flank march? Because I don't do flank marches really. Can you flank march with your army commander? No, you cannot flank march with your army no, commander. No, I, I I just I don't understand this I don't understand anything about Nigel's army. Um and, and they were lots of them were in fours, is that right? Every every UG was in was a four. Every UG was it was a was a four. The flexible so yeah. if they're cavalry they're shooting at full effect as a four and if they flex to skirmishers yeah. they're shooting one down indeed yeah that's it, it, that's it, why i would madness not... I, I i i look i love nigel 
fuck, come on, it's just, it's crap. It, it's going for UG numbers over effectiveness, and I, I think it's a poor exchange. Um, it's easier, it's easier to get nine you nine Uggs when you um, are when they're fours and they're not shooting, not able to skirm, um, skirmish um, because they're they're cavalry loose formation rather than skirmish formation, and they can't afford to. Um, yeah. Uh, skirmish they have to run away so f final comment on that um, uh, Horsemeister Mick what's well, your assessment of that army <laughs> well I think as Nigel can be wont to do for a bit of a giggle he goes for a gimmick doesn't he uh, so the gimmick as Richard just pointed out is what 18 18 tugs of flexible cavalry um, yeah no I mean Richard's right you know, 12, 12 files of skill shooting is good Good, you know, I'd be happy with that. Most of my armies, even my horse archer armies, may come in about, about that, may, maybe a little bit more in the really dedicated ones, but it's good. I actually, I had a look at Emishi after I'd seen it taken, he'd taken it in the in the list PDF. Uh, yeah, I think there's a perfectly usable horse archer army there. It can have something like 12 superior cavalry. They're not flexible, they're loose, but it adds a little bit of stiffness to the army. Um and then, you know, you still get a, a good load of skilled shooting in the horse archery. And I think, you know, it really cries out of having a talented, at least one talented subby to maximise the flank march's chances of coming on. Um, but, you know, he's, he's he's gone for, as I said, he's gone for a gimmick. And, right, you know, enough and said. Why not? <laughs> so, Mr G, what was, your, what was your first round of opponents and all that? Like? Well, again, I'll, I'll do what Richard did and just go through my army. Um I went for a Western Han army. Uh, to be honest, I was a bit undecided going in, but in the end, I decided on the Western Han as I just painted up some new chariots for it and chariot-mounted general. So I thought, I'll use those. So I've, I've gone for the all-mounted option. The list allows you to not have to take any infantry, although there are infantry minimum in the list, if you if you just stock up on mounted. So I, I went with that option because I think it's it's quite nice and I, I have used and quite liked it. Um, my command structure was a competent professional CNC with a talented, a competent and a mediocre professional um, sub-generals. Um, my thinking with this army is it will, the CNC will almost certainly float. So it's going to be a mobile army. So you want your command cards where you need them. And the talented sub-general is there to allow you flank marked with a reasonable chance of coming on in a good time. Um, I've got 10 tugs in the unit, in the army. That's it. Um, you know, uh, as I think we've mentioned on previous podcasts, some people go, 10, that's not an odd number. That's a bit weird. But, you know, it's a matter of what works. There's no point in getting hung up on coming up with an odd number for that theoretically better break point if it then breaks the army and for this i preferred it structured as 10. the units were you so can i just say on that yeah. i love that because your opponent thinks you got 11 definitely well you can bluff an ambush <laughs> you know put an ambush marker down uh, and half the people will go oh he's, got, he's put 10 units Real. on the table he must Real. have an 11th in ambush yeah yeah and then, and then you don't you know it's a matter of making an effective army Anyway, the, the, the 10 units are, there's a, there's a unit of chariots, formed loose, average protected, experienced crossbow, short spear, melee expert, shoot and charge. Um, I've got three units, each of four bases of drilled cavalry, drilled loose, average protected, experienced crossbow, mounted polearm, shoot and charge. There'll be a bit of a shoot and charge theme to this army, you will <laughs> note. 
two two six base units of basically the same except formed loose not drill three units of Chinese horse archers, which are formed flexible, average protected, experienced bow. Two of them are combat shy, saving some points. One of them isn't. And my last unit is dependent state cavalry, who are formed flexible, average unprotected, bow. So there you are. It's, you know. Can I just ask a quick question? Uh, yep. Where you had shoot and charge, is that an optional extra? Does it come as standard? It's mandatory. Mandatory. However, I would take it. Every oh, time. no, I, I saw one of the photos of one of your games. I'm like, that guy's dead. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the fact I've got the three drilled units in fours and they're formed in sixes. So, you know, the formed are sort of big and solid and the drilled are in the smaller ones could make, allow me to more exploit their additional manoeuvrability at times. So yeah, this this leaves me with a PBS of eight cards and a healthy scouting of five. A good chance to outscout. So, I mean, obviously it's an army that doesn't really want to terrain, <laughs> unless it's fighting something where where it wants to degrade somebody's charging ability. But that yeah, that didn't happen in most. Okay, but my first game was against another Western Han. The the, the way Hammy had arranged the his his pods for the first game, we had sixteen players in four pods. He just split them basically on broadly date range. Ah, okay. first the first opponent was Stephen Blackwell using a Western. Now Stephen's he's pretty new to to Meg, um, and I'm not sure his um, wargaming experiences before that. So and this was a an army he'd borrowed off Hammy, and Hammy had created the list. So it's that new. He's, he's oh, currently doomed painting. to failure if Hammy created the list. <laughs> He's, he's currently painting up his first army, which is going to be a you know fifteenth, sixteenth century Japanese. Nice, so quite different. So you know, and and, and I think uh, Hammy's the list Hammy account was was I'd say it was okay. It was solid enough. It had four units of mixed formation infantry, pole arm and crossbow, a unit of skirmishing bowmen, um, two units of the cavalry, like in my army in fours, a unit of four chariots, and then. Four units of flexible cavalry, two of the Chinese horse archers, and two of the dependent state cavalry. And it had a unit of artillery as well. Did absolutely nothing. I, I, I think that's probably the army choice. It might have been limited by Hammy's figures as well. So, you know, um, you know all, all this is lining up to um, I won quite big, <laughs> quite quickly. Um, we, we played on basically an open table. Um, I, I chose to flank march. Stephen basically deployed his army, cavalry on one side. Infantry on the other. I'd chosen to flank march on the side where his cavalry ended up being deployed. Um, my my on-table cavalry marched up really close to him because he, he he had decided to deploy in skirmish formation. My flank march drew a red card to come on on the first move. Um, and because he was in skirmish formation, I could come on with a double move. Oh. The first move to come on behind him and quite close to him and the second to switch formation to tug formation. Um, so after that, it was, you know, I charged from both sides, he gets sandwiched, and it sort of all went downhill. You know, so, uh, you know, Stephen was presented with things he probably hadn't seen before in, in a leg game. Absolutely. Um, so, and as I said, with an army that's not his, and I think it's, you know, people, you design an army, you get a feel of how you're going to use it. If you're just presented with a list, it's difficult. So, you know, it, it was, he was a good guy. I mean, he he's definitely learning. He he suffered in all his games, and he, he I think he had fun, which is the main thing. And and as far as I know, he will be back, and especially when he gets his own army up and running, 
hopefully he'll uh, he'll start storm, storming along. Good. So that was my, that's along the short of my first game. So very successful, you know. Maybe circumstances aided. Okay, so I took an army that uh, I know I've been working on with Nick and and Richard. I think a couple of games, Thraco Roman. And uh, it was the second or third version of this. I'd used it for one of the games at the post-COVID Cup, but a very different version. And I actually, if you ever, uh, listeners, if you look at this list, there's nothing, it's just so, you could just do loads of different armies with this Thraco Roman uh, list. Which, and, and, and I have used Thracian uh, before. So, um, uh, a Thraco Roman list, uh, my command and control was uh, competent, instinctive, uh, AC. Two competent instinctive subs and a talented professional ally general. <laughs> because I chose to use an early Imperial Roman ally, which was a beast. And um, so what I liked about this army just generally is the you've got the Romans, but you've got a lot of other stuff as well. And I'll just go through. Um, so I had <laughs> I had three units of veteran legionaries. I'm, sorry, I'm laughing because it's just filth. I had three units of veteran legion who were infantry, drill, flexible, superior protected, impact weapon, melee expert, shield cover, integral shooters and all. Okay, so it's just everything. Anything you could possibly have, I gave them. And uh, there was only six in each unit, in each UG, but um, there, was, there were three of them. And... They're, they're, they're harder than nails. Um, they, they came with a, 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 a nug of auxilia. They were infantry, drill, flexible, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, melee expert, shoot and charge, orb. So they're pretty useful as well. And there's a theme. And then my Romanized warriors. So I converted some of the compulsory warriors that you need in the army to being Romanized ones. And they were infantry, formed, flexible, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, melee expert shoot and charge and two of those and then there was a poor unit of warriors which literally just stayed at the back in every single one of my games and literally never moved so and they were tribal loose poor protected unskilled javelin short spear just to make just to get me to the 11 nick funnily enough that that unit just to get <laughs> me to the 11 all right and then i had two units of best cavalry Cavalry form loose, superior protected, unskilled javelin, short spear, and two units of cavalry. Cavalry form loose, average protected, unskilled javelin, short spear. So just average versions, so superior and average. And what I like about that cavalry, as you two know, they can evade, and that's what I really like about them. You can set traps for your opponents and get them in trouble. Um, so, can I just ask one quick question? Go for that? it, buddy. Because um, uh, which I did wonder about because you. If you've got me to list check it for you before the game. Um, the the integral shooters for the legionaries. Yes. Is it really any use? I, I, I've often okay, found... I, 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 I will answer that, but I just want to just tell the listeners, I had PBS of five and scouting of two, which is very low for me. I usually prefer higher, but, you know, you can only make the jam, you know, and I just, you have to make sacrifices. So let me tell you about the integral shooters. Um, with the period, 500 to 500, um, I, and I'd had a couple of, you know, I went for a game down at uh, Simon's, Elliot's lovely house, and he was talking about bringing some Germanic beast with loads of uh, dev charge foot. And I just thought, it, for this competition, I thought they would be useful. And they were. Well, I suppose <laughs> if, you, if, if you think you're going fight, to fight barbarian foot, yeah. you're get into dev charge range, force yeah. charge, you need yeah. a big card to hold them. And, and you know, if you, it, there was a lot of 
devastating charger things around. I can see the logic there. Just that yeah. generally, I found now, some... now. Now, actually, looking at the list of the whole twenty-six armies, everyone Robin pointed out on the Facebook today, every army was different. Uh, just just the only doubling up was myself. Yes, found you, yeah, Steve. you copied someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so very yeah, styles of army. yeah. So so okay. So what I liked about this this army is two things. Firstly, before I move on to the game, is you look at it and you think it's a Roman legionary delivery mechanism, and you and then you fight it as a Roman legionary vet whatever delivery mechanism, and it's so much more. It's, it's just, I, I want I want to interrupt at this stage. Go on, is a list, um, and because I have the list composer and the list checker both here, um, there is a note on the early imperial Roman list. Integral shooters may only be chosen after 138 CE. Well, there you go. I, I just submitted my list. It got yeah, no, I, 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 I missed that. And it's quite, yes. Yeah. So um, uh, you should have said that on Sunday morning. I sh well, this, this is the problem. I only spotted it uh, when I was reflecting on the list. <laughs> well, I'd say just. Yeah. So back to your original question, Nick. I don't think integral shooters made that much of a difference during the uh, tournament. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so read the accounts of the second game. Mm. <laughs> so anyway, so on to my first game. So I was playing uh, uh, a lovely chap, a stalwart of the uh, of the um, community, Ian Newell, and he had brought ancient British. Um, I, th I had this swarm in my mind what was going to arrive. And uh, so I wanted a bit of terrain and I wanted a secure flank and I kind of fin finagled it around and we had we did have a, a, a secure flank. We had like, I don't know, forest on, the, on one of the flanks. And then it kept, and I outscouted him, which is always nice. And um, so uh, when we come to do the uh, ambushes and flank march. I put down a bluff flank march because as Dick and I now know, we're, doing, we're going to do it in every game when, you, when, you, when you're going to bluff because there's no penalty. And I put down three ambush markers um, cleverly, I thought, positioned in, within the forest. And he went for it. He went for the ambush markers. He thought there was some easy picking foot there. And what I didn't know is he had bloody Romans in his army. But guess where he put the Romans? In the woods to go after the three ambush markers. So once I realised, once he, you know, once I realised, uh, and they were in ambush, his were in ambush, once he moved to go for the easy pickings, which were all bluffs, I just put a unit of cavalry by the terrain and just stopped him moving, double marching or anything. Um, so I, all I'm going to say is then once his best troops are fiddling around in a forest on the edge of the field with nothing to do, uh, it's, it's, the game's over really, isn't it? So I just rom, 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 munched him, uh, got through, got through him. Um, he killed, he did have the satisfaction of killing the unit of cavalry, which was holding up his Romans and another unit of cavalry, but that that was it. Uh, lovely game, as always with him. He just, I just think he, it was a rush of blood. I, 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 I don't know why he did it. It was a rush of blood. And where should his... I mean, let's be honest. His Romans should have been... I mean, he had two eights of... I'm looking at his... What did he have? He had two eights. Legion 9 Hispania. Uh, infantry drill flexible. Superior protected impact weapon shield cover melee expert. And they sh and some auxilia. Eight in eights. He should have just been in the middle of his, you know, deployment. Just saying, 
stop me if you can and deal with me. But anyway, so it made it a little, it made it a little bit of a non-game actually. So that was unfortunate. So Richard, your second game. Now, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, my list was illegal, but I did send it to the list checker and it got approved. Just, just, just to show, just to show that you know the, um, the, the more than one person can make mistakes. Um, the the date you published for Ian's list, um, he can't actually have the Roman allies at that date. It's one year too late. <laughs> and who checked that one? Was that was that it was you? <laughs> Me? I didn't that one. I didn't check that one. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Did you, Richard? No, I don't think I checked. That was Paul. Cut. That was Paul Cummings. Said I didn't do any of the list checks. <laughs> you found it out. I so. found it out. That it, was it Paul just shows listener that list checking is a thankless task. Yeah. Yeah. I when, when I list check, I always expect you know you know no matter how small the competition. Okay, I'll get let's not wrong get so. bogged down with bickering like three fishwives and complaining <laughs> about the fact that Ray had integral shooters. <laughs> let's let's no. move on. No, let's come. Let's come to the second game. Richard, your second game. What, who was your, what was your second game at the time? Yes. Well, you, my second game was against a Thraco Roman army. <laughs> An illegal, was this one legal or was this one illegal? This, this one had integral shooters, by <laughs> coincidence. Um, I don't think it made, list useless. it made no difference in our game. Um, yeah. Well, um, yes. I mean, uh, Ray will no doubt give his opinion, but... Um, I, th- I thought um, of working through deployment, I was sort of quite happy. Um, I had my um, Quadi cavalry supported by my Marco Manic cavalry facing off against the uh, Thraco Roman cavalry. That looked an okay match. I had the solid centre of, um, of my German troops, the Chatti and the Marco Mani against. Uh, Obviously, these very tough, super hard um, in Roman legionaries, but I've got bulk of numbers. Um, so I think, yeah, I've got a chance. Um, got to have some decent dice rolls. And then I had the remainder of the Germans against the um, Romanized troops in the auxilia. And that's a reasonably good matchup. And uh, I thought things were quite good. Um, and it went downhill on the dice rolling, with one noticeable exception, actually, against one of the Imperial Roman legionaries, I managed to roll skull, skull, skull. <laughs> uh, and that takes a unit of six down to uh, a, a wound off breaking the impact. Um, he did do that. He did do that. That, that was, right was the... the center, it was right in the centre of my line as well. Of course. <laughs> uh, that was the highlight of my dice rolling um, because pretty much everywhere else it it failed miserably. Um, the the thing is that you need to get two wounds on a unit in the same combat. Um, if you just get a single wound, the co- the command structure means that all likelihood the, there's a general there with a card to rally the wound off. Agreed. Um, well, I mean, for two turns, I didn't actually get even a single wound or three Roman leagues, well, two of the Roman leagues. The other one, I thankfully, I did manage to get the wound that broke it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just one of those I've got, I've got to just say something, right? You, you're, you're complaining. You rolled three skulls to completely destroyed my and then you're rolling you're complaining about your other dice so shall I <laughs> yeah. because it'd be silly to come back 
you know, like so. So I tried a couple of things. I, I thought I could take on his cavalry and I, uh, Richard's cavalry, and I trapped a couple. I did a couple of traps, got him. And what I did do, I made a massive mistake, and I want to bring this to the people's attention because um, I hit. Uh, no, I set him up for a flank charge, which Richard hates it when I do that. So I had him. I had him absolutely on you know, on a plate with a flank charge. And I chose the comp, the, and that would happen in the next turn. If I'm getting anything wrong, Richard, please shout. And then, but I then chose my combat in the wrong order, Nick. So the, the bloody element that I could hit with my flank charge got killed. <laughs> it was completely avoidable, okay? So, so this is one for the listeners, you know, just look at the, look at the, uh, you know, I don't want to patronise anyone because obviously I'm thick, but look at the look at the order that you're doing your combats in to make sure that that doesn't happen. Anyway, at that point, um, I had a minor sense of humour failure, but I'd say minor because you know some of my major sense of humour failures, you know, register on the Richter scale. So I walked off out of the uh, garage, out of my house, and walked around the uh, around the sort of yard and had a had a deep breath made funnier because Richard did it about 30 minutes later he did the same thing he walked off into the into the yard and had a deep breath and walked around a bit so we both had we both had moments of uh, of, of sense of humor failure and we both controlled ourselves very well and it was all very gentle but the funniest thing like that like there's nothing about the game I can't argue with I, I thought I played a blinder um, he thinks his dice were rubbish. Somewhere in between lies the truth, you know, like all these things. Um, but the funniest thing was he said something about as as I beat him, he said, oh, you know, we've, uh, you know, you've played a bit slow, Ray, or something like that. You know, he's always <laughs> telling me I'm playing slow. And then the alarm went off literally a minute later to say that was the end of time. I said, as far as I'm concerned, Richard, I played the perfect speed. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Quite clearly he did. It was a great game, and um, to beat one of the holy trinity Meg War Gaming, 15-4 is a 15, very satisfying. Hang on, 15-6. Oh, 15-6. Oh, yeah, you got the uh, you got the Romans with three skulls. Um, so, uh, yeah, 15-6. It was a great result for me. Um, I think that was one of my better results in Meg, and it propelled me forward to complete rubbish in the next game and there you go we'll talk about that later so who's now we've got out of sequence so so nick's second game yes a bit hard to stay in sequence when you two played each other <laughs> yeah. it would be a bit weird wouldn't it okay well you know uh, my, my my second game was against uh, dave parish the war doctor ah the lovely uh, dave one of the 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 great blokes of Meg and well of, of any time, any any rule system, and anywhere. He, he's a he's a really, really top bloke. Um, he was using an early German chatty. In fact, these big German armies seem to have been yeah. popularity this weekend, got just gone. So th this this one I think will have some similarities to Richard's. Um it, it it had a couple of talented generals, a couple of competent generals. One of the talented was the army commander, the other was an ally. Um he had uh, three units of nobles, superior protected devastating charges. All, all his infantry is basically tribal flex. So he's got three sixes of these superior dev chargers. Um, four units of the chatty infantry who have in, in nines. Um, so the, the, the front rank are superior and then two ranks of average. 
devastating charges. Uh, he, his ally was a Tank Terry, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, which he brought along because that gets him two units of Cantabrian skirmishing javelin cavalry, as well as just a, a box standard unit of average devastating charger warriors. He, he had the, the inevitable women and families, um, 10 bases of poor, unprotected combat shy. That's it. 110 points. 11 points wow. a base. <laughs> but they're tribal loose. They, funnily enough, they sat at the back and did nothing. And he had a unit of um, fierce cavalry, superior protected, unskilled javelin, short spear. Now, these, these have, a, have an interesting little sting in the tail. There's a special rule in the list. Um, I hope I get this right, and, and Richard will correct me if I'm wrong. If they are fighting cavalry, they can count melee XP, but they are they have a restriction on how fast they can basically if they move too fast they leave the it's to represent integrated um warriors who go who dive underneath horses and rip the bellies open or something horse killers ah so, yes richard had his horse killers that you don't pay for yes you don't pay you don't pay for there, there was a, an interesting point that came out in the game though the it very clearly says um it's just for cavalry it's against cavalry and i have checked this with richard subsequently so therefore as it and as it transpired in the game, if they fight my chariot unit, they don't get the melee expert. Yeah. If it's against cavalry, that's it. So not against camels or um, chariotry. And then just to round it off, he also had three units of skirmishing javelinmen, which, while, while not great, actually um, gave me a little bit to think about from every now and then. I think it's one of these, I do have a feeling people somewhat under undervalue infantry skirmishers that can shoot. But with my army not being that big, you know, I don't want to be just having a few bases nibbled off by rubbish javelin. I have to be a bit careful. So I think they were well worth him taking. Anyway, the game itself let, saw the, the Han Chinese invading Germany. <laughs> uh, we, had, we had a secure flank of a, a, a river, deep water. And, and then, and then, then I, I didn't want any terrain on this battlefield, but Dave did, so he was trying to throw down um, woods. And with the vagaries of the dice, the amusing thing, all but one, and we were in dense terrain, all but one of the terrain features he wanted to put down um, didn't fit because they all ended up on the secure flank side and wouldn't fit because of the deep water. The one bit that did stick, I wrote, I, ro I rolled a six and took it off. So, as you might, anybody on Facebook might have seen, we had this dense terrain, which the entirety of the dense terrain was the river down one flank. <laughs> Can I just ask a quick question because I, I missed it? Describing um, Dave's army, the, the the horse with the horse killers, were yeah. they in fours? No, it's one unit of. So basically, they, they were like your best cavalry, but with the freebie option of melee expert if they fight other and haven't too fast yeah because just to just to say so i thought what richard did with his he put his skirmishers in front of them and pushed them along so he had the skirmishers as well i thought that was yeah that's quite interesting didn't, yeah, help, well, him. Think, didn't help him win but it was quite interesting. i think that's the sort of thing people forget you can do yeah it makes the skirmishers really quite valuable really really yeah i i, I would he's quite a good player richard <laughs> <laughs> so condescending now he's won <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, so so Dave obviously he's got big open field. Dave and I scouted Dave by fifty pretty boats. Most of his infantry in a big block beside the river, and then sort of angles back his cavalry and a bit more infantry so that I can't run behind his flank. Um, on the other hand, I sort of deploy on the away from the river, aiming to to attack his sort of corner of his formation and the cavalry, which is for me the weaker troops in his army compared to my army. 
you know, his, his infantry units are quite big. They'll take an awful long time to shoot down as he's shooting. So I chucked a couple of units out to slow them down as best I could and ganged everything else up on what was his right from my left. So I... And he and had that, that anchored on the, on the back of the board, didn't he? Uh, yes, yeah. In, in move one, his ally was unreliable. <laughs> yeah, thereby proving a talented general does not guarantee you. No. As I said to him afterwards, actually, I, th I thought in an in a odd way that might have helped him a bit because it stopped his ally was part of the angled back part of the line because it's cavalry. It stopped him having a rush of blood to the head and throwing the wing forward, in which case I would have just enveloped it and all sorts of nastiness. Would, um, and also it meant as I got close, I had to, you know, actually I'm not going to shoot at them because they're hesitant, you know, because that improves the chances of them coming back on side. So they're needing a red, the, the yellow or So anyway, after a few turns, they did come back on side. But, um, you know, D Dave played, I thought Dave played a very good game. You know, I was just trying to whittle away at his right flank. His left flank is moving out, wheeling when it can, being tribal. You know, it needs the higher colour cards. But he kept it, you know, he kept his army well together well, didn't give me gaps to try and get into, used his used the advantage of, you know, if I'm if I'm at shooting range with my troops that are trying to slow him up, he can also charge for free because he's got dev charger. So I couldn't I wasn't even attacking his command and control at that point. But you know, I'm focusing everything on his right wing. And slowly and surely I start whittling things away. Um, reduce uh, reduce units down bases and then throw the shoot and charge guys in. You know, get the free get the shot to begin with to hopefully wear them down a bit before. But we did basically did. I, I ran out of time. Dave, you know, as I said Dave played a good control game, kept his army intact, and by the time the time was called, it ended up an eleven two. I had at that po point basically broken through his right flank, had troops in his rear, but. Time was up. That's that's the way it goes. But it was a thoroughly enjoyable game. I you know, I don't think I've had a bad game against There's always something did, we have in that game. Did he mix his cavalry in with his foot so he could chase you away or, or, or not? Um, a, bit. Mm. a bit. Yeah, he had some mixed in. But, um, and, but the result of that was one, a couple of his units in the, by the end of the game got a bit isolated. Right. He, I can now shoot sort of like five or six files at it, you know, and even with right. just experience, you start taking them down. And I got in the flank of one just because eventually things broke up. Yeah. That's you know, the way you do. And I managed to hold him back in place. Yeah, yeah so, you know, it's, it was a thoroughly enjoyable game. I said it was so, I said earlier, it was so, it was so absorbing. Both of us were probably a bit dehydrated at the end of it because we'd forgotten to keep drinking. Cool. So that, that was it. So, you know, end of day one, I've had a 15 nil and then an 11 two. Cool. Which, which so end of, end of day one, I'd had a 15 and a 15. <laughs> I had a 15 <laughs> and a six. <laughs> so we, we'd all done well we'd all done well so day two uh, oh, before we move on to day two so um two of the people who were staying at my house uh, on saturday night uh, finished their game very early on saturday in the afternoon and decided to wander off down the beach to the bluebird which is like a beach bar restaurant cafe place and uh I never knew that it sold cold beer and cold wine. So they're out there and I'm like, they're taking a long time. So by the time they got back, they'd already had four or five beers. We then we then sat down and watched the Lions play with, and loads of people bought me beer for being the host. So we just opened up, cranked out all the beer. So we'd had a load more beer by the time we got in the taxi. We went to a fantastic Indian restaurant where we had loads more beer. Then the, the, the owner, she said, 
Come on, you've been so nice. It's lovely to have you here. You know, we're quite new. Let's buy you some drinks. So she said, what What? What do you want to drink? And she said, we said, somebody said port, somebody said rum, somebody said brandy, and somebody said whiskey. Like, yeah, I think that, I mean, that was the thing. And she said, that's really interesting. I'm Muslim. I've got no idea what you're talking about. Come to the <laughs> bar and show me what, you, what, what I've got to pour for you. So she's fantastic from Manchester. And uh, so she, um, we, we were drinking there. Anyway, we all got back in the cab, bundled into a cab, go back to the house. And we're all talking a good game. Ah, because Adrian had bought me a bottle of rum. We're going to crank open that rum when we get back. We're going to finish it. You know, we got back. We literally sat down. Adrian fell asleep with the with his little glass of rum resting on his chest. He didn't. Eat, I think we had three sips of this rum, and then we went, "Let's go to bed." <laughs> we just went to bed, so no more drinking was done. But I had a bit of a buzz on on Sunday morning, I have to say. But at least my opponent was out drinking with me the night before. Right. So game three, day two, Richard. So I was playing uh, Adrian Nash and his. Chin. Oh, yes. So, um, so he may have been a little bit worse for wear. Um, he he actually had the hottest curry. I've, it was a, a Bengali fish, fish curry. curry. Huh? Yeah. So um, yeah. he may have, may have been... He was not in good shape on Sunday morning. Um, campaign logistics, so to say. Um, anyway, um, now the Chin, um, Chin Army... He had. I don't have the exact list, so correct me if either of you guys do have the exact list. But I believe he had. I didn't. I email it. Uh, apologies if I am received it. Um, I emailed all the lists we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, you may have only sent them to me. Oh, I've I've got uh, it. No, sorry. You. I've, um, I was away earlier, uh, listeners, so I have been sent them. So I'll just bring it up. Yeah. Apologies for that. Because it is um, an interesting list. So it, it is. Um, he had um, two units of four chariots. Um, they were pretty much full fat, um, form loose, average protected, experienced crossbow, short spear, melee expert, devastating charges, suit and charge. So um, yeah, um, full fat. Uh, then a unit of heavy cavalry, their experienced crossbow mounted pole arm. Uh, four units of eight conscript close fighters, they're the tribal loose average pole arm chargers. Uh, two units of six conscript crossbowmen who are average unexperienced bow. Uh, a unit of elite fighters, they're likely superior. And a unit of close fighters that form added to that was a unit of poor, unexperienced bow, skirmishing cavalry. So, uh, commanded by a talented professional and two competent professional sub generals. Um, so, if, if, if there's one concern I think he had with the army, was that he felt it was a bit under, and I guess so. Um, the terrain fell um, for what Adrian was after, which was essentially a lot of sort of rough terrain in the middle of the battle. Um, the reason being his troops were loose, mine were flexible. So by uh, having the terrain, it meant I had to deploy me loose and didn't get the offer to shut, which I would have done if we'd been on more open battle close. Um, the turning point of the game uh, was actually um, the, he had one unit of his close fighters, the formed unit, on his extreme uh, right flank, my left flank, and um, 
they were in some terrain to protect his chariots. Um, I used my skirmishing archers to sort of threaten to shoot at his chariots. And in response to that, Adrian brought his uh, close fighters out of, uh, that was actually a forest, a flank, um, to basically screen off my arc from his chariots. Um, unfortunately for Adrian, he, I was then able to send one of my Markamami cavalry round to threaten his flank. And in the following turn, I got lucky with the shooting and slowed his um, foot by two base with the shooting. And that was, they were four wide and I only had four units shooting. Um, so I, I think I got two wounds and two S's, something like that. Um, anyway, the, the net effect was he couldn't fall back into the terrain as he was planning to. Uh, and that opened up the opportunity for me to get a flank uh, onto um, close fire. Um, I think because of that, um, he was reluctant to commit his chariots uh, against my remaining units um, on that flank. And personally, I feel that was the difference as much as anything in the game. Um, on the other flank, my quaddy cavalry were able to overwhelm his Chin cavalry and the skirmishing cavalry, and I was actually able to turn that flank. Um, in the end, it was a clear victory for my army, but I feel it was one of those ones that, with some small differences, could have gone the other way because those um, devastating charger pole arm uh, were tough opponents for my foot because if they're too deep, that, that pole arm factor starts to work significantly in his favor. Um, so um, that, that, was, that was the battle. Um, I ended up winning comfortably. The score would, did flatter me, frankly. Um, it was a closer game than the score would, would have suggested. But it does seem to me, if you're gonna have full fat chariots, then you've got to be prepared to the commit user, yeah. fight. Um, and even if they're in fours, it's no good saying, well, I'm worried that they, they're, they're going to get killed. Why take them in the army if you're going to not use them? Particularly because there are, what, 166 points of base. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of points. Let, let me ask you, so as an observation, um, I didn't really get much time to wander around um, to other games because I was organised. And um, it seemed to me when I did see it, it's quite narrow, that army, isn't it? I think almost all Chin armies have to be fairly narrow because um, you're, um, you're, you've got um, expensive troops in there. The, I mean, the cavalry are 148 points of base, the chariots are 166, the elite close fighters are 129 points. I mean, I mean the pole arm devastating charging, high factors, three at impact, basically, one in one in the following melee phase, um, and that costs points. So, um, yes, I mean, he, his army was um, certainly narrower than my army. Uh, everyone's army is narrower than your army. Or maybe um, not apart from the army you fought at the uh, on your last battle. Anyway, I'm so... Sure I have to say, uh, A's list is very direct. It's all about getting in and chopping people. It, it is. It, I, mean, I think it's a, one of the better combinations for a chin. Um, yeah, I, I think it's... Uh, Shade under commanded. Probably, and I'm not convinced the skirmishing cavalry 
uh, offer anything. Poor, unprotected, experienced bow. Problem is that he, I got my quaddy cavalry close to them and he was caught between a rock and a hard place. If he had chosen to run away, chances are because of the minus from being poor that I'd have caught him. Uh, if he stands there and shoots, he doesn't do enough damage and they're easy pickings in the um, when I, when you catch them. So, um, yeah, they they were they're, they're the only element of the army I'm not convinced by. I got the feeling they they just have to fit the points that were left remaining. And I think if those points had been used on an extra commander instead, that would have been a better better. I'd, I'd certainly concur with that. Right. OK. Um, your third game. Okay. Um, o- o- overnight between day one and day two, Hammy rejigged the pods. He, he's obviously the, the chief pod person. Um, what what he did, he took from the four pods he had um, on day one, the player who was top in each of those pods, they all went into a new pod. All the second places went into another pod, third and fourth, so on. Um, I ended up in the second string of pods. In the first pod I was in, Alistair um, pipped me in first place. So I went into Sorry, a... Sorry, second... so tell me how the pods were done. It, it, day one, there were four pods, each of four people. So at the end of day one, everybody's got a score. You can rank them by the score. The top person in each pod, one, uh-huh. two, three, four, yeah. go into pod one on day two. Everybody's in second, go into pod two. Everybody who's third, go into pod three. And everybody's fourth goes into pod four. That, that's how he did it. That's how he rejigged it. So we, so we, ha- you had an, another three possible opponents that weren't the same as the first day. So I, I, I played Graham Wilmot, who, who's one of the the bun shop guys we mentioned earlier, who are relatively new to Meg, but seem to be going at it some gusto. Seem to be, seem to be liking it. He was using a Tu Yu Hun, which is basically a a North of China nomadic army. Um, comprised of cataphracts and horse archers. Um, per- personally, when I saw, saw this as a draw, I thought, excellent, this is good, because basically this is the sort of army an all-mounted Han Chinese ar- army was set up. The, the Han used their all-mounted armies to go and beat up, in their case, the Xiongnu, um, north of north of the Yellow River. So this was like, yes, this is this is, this is is good. I'm, I'm feeling quite happy about this. And it's also nice to fight it. So Graham, Graham's army... Uh, all the commanders are instinctive. He had a legendary army commander and three competent subcommanders. He had three units of cataphracts, formed close, armoured horse, fully armoured, long spear shove. One of them was superior, all six bases. And then he had um, eight units of horse archers, um, cavalry, form flexible, average unprotected bow. Half of them were um, experienced bow, half of them were skilled bow. And one of one of the skilled was in a six, and everything else was in a four. So, so it's it is just cataphracts and horse archers. This, this is this made me feel good. He had a PBS of eight and scouting five, just like me. Um, our terrain the terrain was basically open. Um, had a secure flank with a river down it, and a few scattered bits of terrain that didn't actually do anything in the game. They were, they were towards the edges, and we just had all the cavalry in the middle. Um, Quite astonishingly, considering we both had five five scouting cards, I outscouted him by a hundred percent, which takes some doing. That really does. Basically, That's on it is. It was helped by the fact that I was more. I worked on the basis that we'll both want the same sort of terrain, so I'm not going to put much effort into the terrain section. 
and I carried two reds over into the scouting. Um, so and 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 obviously Graham didn't have great, didn't draw great cards. So so there we are. So, so there. So he deployed his army, which was yeah, mainly horse archers with with some cataphracts interspersed between them. Uh, he deployed perfectly sensibly, you know, especially for big outs. Um, so I plonked my army down in front of it. I I waited my cavalry and all the shoot and charge to where most of his horse archers were and planned us to mess around in front of the cataphracts and give the horse archers a really good um, game started off where Graham showed his, a bit of his inexperience in that he pushed forward one of the horse archer units that was in skirmish formation as his first move. So I can see this is on Zoom here, Richard's expression. He knows exactly what's coming next. So I basically block moved as many of my shoot and charge troops straight forward to be one Nats todger away from this. So that <laughs> Graham sort of went, oh. <laughs> you could see it being filed away in the, I'm not going to do that again. again I learned something, yeah. Kathy. So, you know, um, it did mean he couldn't bring most of his other shooting and most of this, the wing I'd advanced against to, it was his skilled shooter. So, you know, uh, you know, the dice could always go really badly for me if he gets some really good shooting. Let, let me just ask you a question. Had he assumed because it was a tug, but in SUG, that, that you couldn't do that, or had he just not worked it out? I think he just blanked. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I don't, uh, from what I recall, it wasn't a, oh, can you do that moment? It was a case of, oh, right. <laughs> of course you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he did, he did bring up, brought up the rest of the, um, the, the, the skilled shooters, um, because I, I'd gone so far forward, basically, if they move forward one, they could get to them, or, or just over, or if I charge, I'll get. Um, uh, Basically, that set up the game. <laughs> I, uh, my, my, he- my big wing of cavalry then charges and basically squeezes him towards the edge of the table. I mean, I, I didn't catch him with the first charge, even with the shoot and charge. Um, he didn't do much damage with his skill shooting. Um, I have to say he, he made some sensible choices on when to skirmish and when to run away. You know, he, he's, he might be fairly new to Meg, but I think he's going to be really good at using horse archer armies. He's, he, he's already getting into that when when to make the decision right and to you know stagger units so that some can run away if they have to and some can skirmish so you know so there's a worrying sign for us all <laughs> he's a good war gamer so yeah yeah oh he's, he's got loads of he's got yeah. a good bloke so so basically i push those back and, and they they eventually get get killed these cataphracts get a bit isolated and towards the end end of the game i can charge a couple of them in the flank which basically wrapped up the the army he he, he was just a bit disjointed um, after the, especially after my big cavalry wing had pushed his horse archers out of the way, and he and he on the other side of the table, he did leave a bit of a gap which he couldn't really fill. And and also he, there were a couple of times when he had units of his horse archers that I could gang up on them with a reasonable amount of shooting when he was in tug formation. So I was getting a colour upgrade for that. So yeah, in the in the end, it, it um, you know I think it proved the uh, the Han Chinese form are very good at beating up. Um, nomad cavalry armies, and I, I won that by 15 4. Extremely pleasing start to the day. Yeah, it's my turn. Your turn. So, this will be very quick. Um, I played uh, the lovely Simon Elliott with his Alamani army, and I'd had a practice the game before, basically, because <laughs> it's an incredibly similar army to. Fair enough, Richard. Don't you agree to Richard's army? Uh, absolutely. That was going to be my comments on. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'd had a bit of practice. And uh, this was interesting because I, th- I think I outscouted him by 50%. Um, and which, bearing in mind, which is a bit like what Nick was saying, we only have two scouting uh, cards each. So that was uh, quite a triumph. So I out, and he had um, 
cavalry that could skirmish away, and then these noble cavalry, which were shoot and charge, and, um, oh no, sorry, were devastating charges, superior death charge, um, you know, pretty tasty. And I deployed so I could choose which of the flanks I wanted to go and gang up on. And I actually went and ganged up three three of my tugs of cavalry against his two of the Quadi uh, cavalry. And um, again, I, I jammed my superiors in to hold him. Um, and then he, I, that was actually in the flank. And then he couldn't turn that tug, to turn, sorry, he couldn't turn the element. Uh, I think Richard wandered over for a bit of an umpiring thing at this stage. He couldn't turn the element because I had another cavalry behind who would have just smacked straight into if he turned. I'm not explaining this very well. So he was jammed up with me just chipping away on the flank. And uh, then I brought the other superior cavalry up and jammed his other one so he couldn't come behind my flank and then moved. And then I had the bag next turn and charged them in the flank. So even though it was his stronger cavalry, you know, when you've got three tugs, you know, you can do some damage. So, so that was my plan of attack. And everywhere else, it was just chug, you know, try and chunk, chunk, chunk against his incredibly good infant. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say sometimes the dice gods are with you and sometimes they're not. My opponent thankfully counted my dice as I did it. Uh, and it was lovely to have to be told that I'd rolled nine greens and yellows with only rolling S's and blanks. And Richard was on the other table next door. He was chuckling at the time. He's chuckling now. So yes, to win the game, I think I had um, nine, nine chances on yellow and green to roll anything other than a blank or an S, and I didn't. And my opponent won the game. So 15-10 to my opponent. And I didn't care because we, we had a great game. It was lovely. Um, I, I think... I think Simon thought I was playing a bit DBM-ish at one point because I asked him, I said, look, you know, if we're going to do it, let's do it on a wheel. Because uh, he kind of did one of those famous wheels that wheels a bit too far. <laughs> I used to do all the time, didn't I, Richard? And then Richard actually showed me that, no, there is a way of wheeling. And I just said, look, come on, let's do it properly. And it and it meant that, you know, he couldn't do what he wanted to do. I think he felt that I was being a bit DBM-ish, but I also think he put his game face on and we really had a really good game of Meg because of it. So, you know, rules are rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, and he beat me. He had the pleasure of then seeing me roll <laughs> nine dice you. without getting a wound and beat me. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> Should have kept my mouth shut. Um, so that, that was a game. So I'm not saying it was a fantastic game. Uh, he got 15, I got 10. Um, and it actually wouldn't have, even if I'd have won, it wouldn't have changed my opponent in the final round the way the scores worked out anyway. So I'm, I was happy. Simon's a great guy. He brought a prize. You know, we had no prize support. Uh, he brought a prize for the thing. Oh, and Richard, who, you came, what you, oh no, we'll deal with that later. We'll deal with that later. So that was my, <laughs> my third game. I'm, I'm, it was a lovely game. I'm not keeping it short because it wasn't. It was just exactly the same as the game I played against Richard, basically. Agreed, Richard? Yes, and 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 certainly. Well, I, I went on to play Simon in the fourth round, and as you say, the armies are very similar. His was Alamani with Quadi Ally, um, so his infantry are short spear, devastating chargers. Some of them superior. Some of them superior in sixes. The rest, uh, I think, were generally eights from memory. I'd have to look that one up. Um, so, uh, I mean, the, the fascinating thing with our battle was that um, both of us decided essentially we didn't need terrain. We happened to have a deep 
river flank um, and it was a case of I was slightly outscouted so I deployed um, sort of solidly but kept one unit of my Marcomani cavalry these are the guys with the horse killers um, to the rear so I could switch it from with one flank to the other because I wasn't sure where Simon would try to go for the cavalry, um, whether he's going to put all his cavalry on the one wing or split them. Uh, in the end, he actually split his cavalry. Um, so I had to, the, the, with the mediocre commander, take the cavalry back to the rest of them. Uh, and personally, I think that was the Simon made the wrong decision there, but I mean, it was a marginal one and a, I wouldn't necessarily say I would have made a different decision. Um, that was only with really with hindsight that I felt it was wrong. So my Quadi cavalry had the edge on my left flank, his right, because mine were melee experts, Simon's weren't. Um, so the battle, it, it's a bit, it was a bit like when you get hoplites drifting to the um to the right uh, to the strong shield side yeah or whatever we we sort of i drifted to the he drifted to the left his right and i drifted to his to my left to sort of match um whether either of us got any real advantage from that i doubt to be honest fundamentally this game was uh line them up and roll the dice and see who comes out uh and in that game i came out it was um but, Did you get um, a triumph? Did you get 15 points? I got 15, yes. Um, and I think Simon got nine from that. He got one of my skirmish um, uh, and four of my tugs. And he was, yeah, I mean, it, it could easily have gone the other way around. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, cra a sort of cracking game of make from perspective, being a typical sort of almost a civil war type battle um, where... It's very hard to get a big tactical advantage because your tr your troops mirroring a, a, a few dice going one way yeah. can, can be what tips it over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate in the again my quaddy cavalry, despite having the melee expert advantage, throw through not particularly good dice, and I was actually um, I would I thought they were going to break for two rounds of melee combat. Simon failed to get the wound he needed to break me, and I then got the got enough to break his his unit um it was it was as close as that really in, yeah. in terms of deciding yes. um, yeah any game with that sort of score is usually a good one yeah so um yeah so i ended up with uh 51 points and simon ended up with uh 54 i believe but we'll, we'll come to the final result when we discuss ray's final game <laughs> no doubt Okay, so my, my fourth game, my, um, I got to play Keith Spedding, who was using an African Vandal army. Um, the, 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 yes, basically, charge. <laughs> yeah, this, this, is, this is what I've I think. Always, I've always looked at it with admiration, that army. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've played against it a couple of times when Paul Cummings has used, used it. Um, I think both times I used Sassanid against it, and it's so far one each. Uh, you know, one, get, one game my shooting worked, the other his charging worked. So, uh, <laughs> but, but generally I thought this is, this, is, this is not a great matchup on a, I need to get some, bits of terrain down to break him up because his army is basically um, short spear, devastating charger cavalry. 
with with some having melee experts as well. So if they get into combat with me, they're they're generally better than mine. Whilst I've got some, you know, a reasonable amount of competent troops, he's just got more. So, you know, some of his troops will get into my softer squidgy bits. That's my thinking. So his army was, as expected, he's got, he had 11 tugs. One of them was an allied Moorish cavalry uh, who formed flexible, average, unprotected, experienced javelin in the six. All the rest of his units, his other 10, were all vandal cavalry, all with short spear, all devastating charger, some with melee experts. And they were a mixture of sixes and fours. You know, the averages were generally sixes, fours would be superior. And he put them and the melee expert went mostly with the with the uh, fours, but one six. Um, two units of allied Moorish best light horse, um, cavalry skirmisher, average unprotected skilled javelin. So two sixes of those and another one of those as a sort of, as an internal Moorish unit. Um, so he's got three units with skilled shooting. So he's actually got three units that can shoot better than any of them. But javelin, but javelin. But with, with javelin. So they, they are a bit limited on respect. Um, so... Yeah, and, and he has a, again, you know, old cavalry army. He's got a talented, instinctive army commander, uh, competent and mediocre, instinctive subbies, and his ally is a competent, instinctive. Now, I know, I know Ray, Ray, Ray sort of blinking and wincing at that, but mm-hmm. it, it turned did out... He he, a, did he have a no-camp camp? No, it's... Um, but anyway, he's, as it transpired, his, his ally was on side and played in the game he's got seven pbs cards and six scouting cards so got more scouting cards than so you know who uh, thinks me um however keith was extremely cooperative when it came to um scouting and just drew blacks and whites ow <laughs> so i outscouted him by 100 <laughs> percent. so i've outscouted two cavalry armies by 100 <laughs> percent in consecutive games who's a lucky boy it's yeah, the, the battlefield we're on, again, is mainly open, which I didn't want. I tried to throw some bits of rough going down to have areas where his, his dev charger would be taken out a bit. But we had a secure flank of woods or forest or something, stuff we weren't going into, basically, and a, a patch of rough going somewhere that made no difference. But basically, he had most of the wits of the table as a nice open run at me. I toyed with the idea of flank marching and then thought, well, no, because his cavalry will be on me so quickly. The flank march may not do anything and it's, it's not worth the risk. So basically we just line up <laughs> in the middle of the table. Um, he advances, I advance to shooting range and then the inevitable starts. I thought at this point he made a slight mistake. He charged as soon as he could. I thought he'd have been better waiting one move and trying to get really in my face. So what that what that meant was that the first time he charged, nearly everything of mine could just skirmish back rather than any units having to run away and therefore have degraded shooting. Um, and then to compound his error, I had a phenomenal round of shooting. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, I'm, you know, I'm basically rolling, I don't know, you know, two and a half foot of white dice <laughs> at my shooting line. And it would be easier to count the blanks than count the wounds. Oh. You know, I took off eight bases and slowed every single unit by one or two. <laughs> And then you've got him on a piece of string. So then he's a bit he's a bit ragged. It's putting gaps between yeah. him and me so that his next charge, I can again, most of my units can then skirmish again, still shooting. Um, and I think it's safe to say, I mean, I'm quite happy to say, over 
all the movies. So I just falling back and I, I generally had above average shooting. Obviously, the first round gave me a real boost. Um, but after that, I, I, I was probably rolling above average for the for the whole of the game. So it, it, the game he carries on. He, you know, he's, he's doing the sensible stuff. He's pushing through fire where it makes sense, but not bothering if it doesn't. Um, buying off wounds as he can, you know, and, and pushing me towards the base edge. I get to a, get to a point where I've, I've on my left, I take a unit out, create a gap and can start exploiting that. But then he basically crashes into most of my line um, or at least declares charges on. But where I've got the shoot and charge, I also declare a charge on him. When you're at the point I've realised we're going to fight now, I'll declare the shoot and charge. So I get the shooting. And because it's shoot and charge, he doesn't get the plus for fighting enemy who shot. One of the real big benefits of shoot and charge. You get your shooting and, and deprive the opponent of a claim they might be expecting to get. Nice. Um, the combats, um, I don't think anything spectacular happened. I, I got I got a couple I got usefully got a couple of shatters with the pole arms on impact. Again, sometimes people forget mounted pole arms get shatter which helped but then again keith got some shatters with his dev charger as well so that, that sort of boiled down um and the upshot of that was basically because i had so much shooting and done quite well with the shooting and worn some of his units down um i broke his army <laughs> um he, he broke two of my units i broke army i, I broke six of his you say because of that and so another 15-4 to me you know it's, it's one of those i just had a good run run of dice and there was nothing he could do about it because that army van, the vandal army just has to keep pressing forward at that point yeah. you know if it yeah. tries to go backwards that's just playing even more into the shooting cavalry army's hands so he had to keep all the pressure up you know he threw generals in but i'd taken enough off that even though i was may, often rolling white dice because he was into some of my horse archers rather than the pole arm cavalry you know the white dice did it and i had quite a few combats where it was green green on green again because he's already taken losses I basically won that. So, yeah, I, I, I have to say, I, at the end of that game, I was quite, I, I was so amazed that I'd won it and so big. Um, things just seemed to go my way on that. What more can you Ooh. say? But I'll take Ooh. it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I will do the points at the end. So, um, so I'm uh, fourth round. I'm actually playing uh, James, Jersey James, with his Moroyan classical Indian. And actually, I'm thinking this could be tough. All right. So anyway, so he's so he's got um, he's got four tugs of three elephants, uh, spearmen, archers, spearmen, archers, spearmen. So front ranks, you know, archery types, and you know, okay foot. He's got some bullet carts, which I didn't even know what they were when he put them on the table, uh, and some skirmishes with bow. But clearly. It's all about his elephant. So, uh, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm like, okay, this this could be a tough day at the office. So what I didn't want to do, uh, he outscouted me. And what I didn't want to do in any way was um, lose the game because I deployed wrong. That was the key for me. And so what I did, I actually deployed my, um, my legions one deep across the board in the first deployment. So on my edge of my deployment zone, I put the legions and then the auxilia two deep, connect them together, one deep across the board. And I actually thought that was a really good thing. Um, and um, so then he deployed. And what I was able to do was contract the legions, double, you know, move and shift and, and then get stuff coming through from behind. And um, on my left flank, I sent some cavalry out to um, 
make sure there was no shenanigans. But he had those war wagons there and nothing was going to come round. So they came to the centre in the end. And then on the right flank, um, I got in a bit of trouble because I didn't realise that when you evaded from elephants that were charging and you hit in the evade um, some of his skirmishers, you just stopped. Now, his elephants didn't hit me, but my cavalry were in a bit of a quandary. So <laughs> you evade, <laughs> you hit, you evade and you're on big bloody horses and you hit some little men who've got sticks and you stop. So it just in my mind, you know, when I'm trying to work out, I didn't even think that, that would be a possibility. So Jersey James, he's got to rub his hands together because he thinks he's got um, my cavalry on toast. And um, I mean, firstly, I don't think he should have. Anyway, so he charged me, I bet. I don't think he should have done that in the first place. So then I brought up my superior cavalry and I uh, hit his elephants in the rear in the next turn because I had the bag. And I tell you what, there's nothing better. Because if I hadn't killed him outright, he would have, well, he, he did step forward, but he, he couldn't fight my other cavalry because he was dead. There's nothing better than smacking three elephants up the arse and just to go, and explode. And um, yeah, so that kind of made it very difficult for him because then he was, he was really on the back foot. My cavalry were coming round. And uh, even though the legions didn't get melee expert against elephants the way it's set up i always had overlaps and it did okay i don't fight elephants very often and i didn't really know i you know i hadn't done all the i didn't realize i didn't get melee expert for a start and um i just think they're glass cannons aren't they really they are they are and uh, and yet that army i really liked his army it was a lovely painted job and i liked the composition but you know if those elephants don't do the job, there's nothing else, really. There's nothing. His cavalry is poor, I think, or I oh know not poor, but average, but no weapon factors. Nothing doesn't have anything, you know. So I get the under the bullet carts block off a piece of terrain, but they don't do anything else. So it's just those elephants have to do the job, don't they? Now he clearly had some good victories to be playing, you know, up on table one or table two, whatever it was at the end of the competition. So he'd done well, but if the elephants don't do the job, you're dead. So um, yeah, I, I, and in fact, I would say, uh, I think, you know, who am I to patronise anyone? If, if I sound patronising, I apologise. But James, his army selection and his play during the tournament, he was probably, you know, he would get the most improved player kind of prize for, for what he did. I think he did really well. Um, but our game was, um, there was some freakish dice rolls by him, but it didn't really matter. It was just, it was, it was going to be over. And I think because... If, if he's got if he's got an, a, a tug of elephants on the end of his line and he charges them out and then loses them, it's game over, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you're using elephants, you have to you have to sort of have something in mind to cover the gap when they explode. Yeah, yeah, and you know he he did try, he did think about bringing his well, he did actually bring his cavalry up, but cavalry who are average with no weapons factors. I mean, you know. They they can't do it. No. So um, so so it's fifteen. Um, I apologise to him. I can't remember what he got. Um, he got something. Uh, I just can't. <laughs> um, you and, got fifteen, and that was the thing you were worried about. Sorry? You got fifteen, and that's what you were concentrating. Pretty much. On. Uh, you have to say pretty much. But I was I was worried about that game, and I did. It, it was the during the the interview in the two games. I'm thinking once I knew that opponent, I thought. Hmm, just go one one deep across the board. And 
I, yeah, you, you utilize the fact they're drilled. They're drilled. And, uh, and none, they don't. None of their factors. Now I know I'm going to take punishment, but none of their factors need to be too deep, do they? No, and uh, and also individually they're better than an awful lot of his army. Yeah, and because they're because they're drilled close, the elephants don't get a massive factor against them. No, no. You don't have to worry about messing well, around. Being I mean, I, 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 on, on that note, I mean everything in my army because it was all flexible could all be formed or drilled either loose or close. So. But that's why I deployed behind because the stuff that was would be disadvantaged against elephants never went anywhere near the elephant. Um, and yeah, apart from to charge them in the rear, that was that was just too tempting. That oh, you yeah. had to do it. It was it was a moment. You know, you you you, you can play a few games and never get a moment like that. That was a great moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so I think uh, so. I can't. Richard, how, what did you end up on? I end up on fifty-one points. I mean, fifty-one out of possible sixty. That's a you've had a good tournament, yeah. I have three wins. I mean, yeah, three, exactly. Three so, I think I ended up on fifty-five. Um, yeah. I, I ended up on fifty-six. Nick ended up on fifty-six. So when we amalgamated the two results, as we always intended to do, to make it back to Armageddon, um, Nick and I podium. We did. Did you, Richard? Did you put? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but we. So, we, so we Alistair was first. Alistair back from the dead. Alistair's first. Nick is second. Ray's third. Um, I got a prize. So. However, this is the this is the rub of it. So down at the Southern competition, there is a prize, a lovely book by Simon Elliott signed his um, his book about the um, biblical warriors. Can you remember what's it called, Richard? Yes, uh, Warriors of the Old Testament. Warriors of the Old Testament. Um, so I win the Southern Element tournament, and it comes to the prize. I've already got a signed copy from Simon of that <laughs> book, so I'm like, oh, I couldn't possibly have another one. And it's my own tournament. I've got to be too polite. So who's second? Simon. Oh, you're the author. Well, you probably don't want it either. Bloody Richard wins the book. <laughs> I'm in third. And then, and then I have to mention the wooden spoon, uh, beautifully painted, Will Denham. I mean, I didn't quite get, you know, um, we had C-3PO and you had R2-D2. Uh, I think uh, so, yes. And I literally e emailed him and said, it's too obscure for me, mate. I, it, and it's, you know, it's all about splitting because apparently they had a big bust up. I'm like, so, or split up. I'm like, so two, two popes. Probably less obscure than R2-D2 and C-3PO. <laughs> and I went through like a long list of things in history. There were two you know, people splitting up and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's the only thing I think of. Well, he gets bonus nerd points for that, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, no, total bonus nerd points and repainted. So Lance is doing something weird at the moment. Lance is determined to bring crazy army tournament. So Lance, if you're listening, um, I, <laughs> Paul Cummins did the list checker. He said, he said, it's, it's, Correct. The army's correct. I don't know what the hell he's doing, but <laughs> he hasn't made a mistake in his list. But I don't know what the hell he's doing. I think you need to explain. Lance took the Turkalingi, and the reason you take whether Turkalingi or Turkalingi, I'm not. It's probably Turkalingi. Um, the reason you take them is that they are the army that basically um, uh, controls the Western Roman Empire and deposes. Uh, Romulus Augustus. So 
you've got three allies that you have to take if you're going to take the army at that particular day. Oh, we took it to the Ruby, Skiri, <laughs> and the Taivali. Um, so it's it's the crazy ally army. Mm. Um, Oh, but, I, think I mean, you've got to take it, that partly to teach me a lesson not to be such a wimp about taking allies. Indeed. But tell me, did any of his allies ever go unreliable in the uh, in the in the tournament? Uh, not as far as I'm no, aware. No, I don't think they did. I don't think they did. Didn't didn't Pete no. Pete Entwistle do that at the Boards and Swords one? He took an army with three allies and went all weekend without any of them being hesitant. It's, uh, I just know if I took them, I'd probably end up with all three being hesitant. <laughs> So is that always oh, that what it's called? Hesitant. Yeah. No, we all know what it means. Hesitant, yeah. unreliable. Um, so, um, so, so overall, the podcast boys uh, did well. We all we all had good weekends, and it was great, everyone. And uh, I can't wait for Crossing Crescent, which is our next tournament that we're all going to, I believe. Well, and, um, unless you're going down to the one Pete Cross is trying to organise. Yes, I, I, mean, I said the one that all of us are, go, are going to. Okay, right, yes. I, I, I said at the time, I said two two tournaments in a month, two, you know, yeah. it's difficult for me. Yeah. I think just, just on that, I think Pete's still looking for entries for that. It's, uh, uh, I think he is. Different. So shout out. So that's August the what? Uh, it's about two weeks before 8th. I think it's two weeks think, before. Yes, it's, it's the weekend of the 8th. Right. So that'll be the 7th and 8th down near Tunbridge. Is that where he is, Tunbridge? Maidstone way, isn't he? So, yeah. and details are on the forum and on the Facebook page for that. They are indeed. In fact, we, 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 we bumped the, um, the uh, Facebook event, so it's somewhere near the top on the Facebook page. If you cool. scroll down a bit, you should find it. It's got a, a, an interesting, uh, a different approach to it. You'll need to take a multiple number of armies, but there's a lot of similarity between them. So um, anyway, go and have a look at it. I was say, go and have a look, and if you can make it, I think it could be a bit of a giggle. I did give you a practice game and took your filthy army against you. Do you remember that? Uh, oh, yes. The army, Nick, that uh, will be unmentionable till it gets rolled out. Um, <laughs> okay. So, guys, uh, fantastic weekend. Back to a proper tournament. Beautiful. Um, tell me, Crossing Crescent, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Let's tell our listeners. Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Well, it'd be no great surprise that, you know, I, I, I have distinct options on various Seljuk armies yep. <laughs> with, with Mamluks and Turkmen. Um, but yeah, I'll keep, um, there's, I, I want to have a look at the early Fatimids, which I've, I've used in the odd game before. That could be one. Um, I can, I've got the figures for Almoravid, and that North African staple with the, the, the exceptional black guard and the superior lamb tuna long spearman. Do you want to just describe a list? Well, for the listeners, why don't we just, maybe that's what we should do. Maybe we should publish our, maybe we should tell our list ahead of the, and then go to the tournament. So I, I'm, I'm nailed on now. I haven't got time to paint a uh, bit busy at work at the moment. I haven't got, and I, and actually, I think I've told you guys and, and our listeners, I'm going to use Almoravid because I've got a beautifully painted Almoravid army that I've never used at a, a proper tournament. So I'm going to go, I can't believe it, Almoravid, is that how you say it? So I'm I'm going on the Crescent team, because I think there should be a subplot of a Cross versus Crescent. Uh, oh, that would be a good idea, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'll suggest that to Pete. I'll provide a bottle of rum for the uh, winning team. So, <laughs> and if it's the Crescent team, they're not allowed to drink it. Yeah. Yes. Richard, what are you going for? I, I, I haven't uh, 
decided yet. I, oh, that I, is I just BS. At, I smell BS. You just I was looking at uh, the Seljuk Empire, I have to admit. Oh, so another crescent. So we'll all be on the crescent um, team. But uh, whether that's got enough um, shooty power, I, I'm not sure with all these Black Guard and Latuna that are going to be marching across the table. Shoot at the bits that aren't then. <laughs> yes, exactly. There, there, there's a hint from a cavalry commander. <laughs> Don't shoot at his good stuff. <laughs> shoot at my camels. Well, if, if, if there's too many on the Crescent side, we can split the Crescent side up by um, by, by diff different Islamic factions. We have Shia, yeah. Sunni, and yeah. the Shia, Shia actually should should split up anyway between the various Shia factions because the Shia were, were, were renowned for splitting into faction. <laughs> it's, um, you know, that, it, all, it all gets a bit like the, the People's Front for the Liberation of Palestine. And that, that weekend I shall mainly be drinking. Oh, of course, they've got the, they have the bar at the venue and the hotel is only about Dumbling 20 distance. yards away. <laughs> right, so... Um, Can I just say we will be putting lists up on the blog as usual? Yes, yes, all the lists that, uh, in fact, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, if we can, uh, we'll add all the lists of everyone from the southern uh, route anyway. I, I just, I don't know, I think we should, yeah, anyway, I'll, I'll ask everyone and we'll get as many lists up for our listeners on, on, the, on the blog. Um, I think lists are very inspirational and help people, um, you know, progress. Sometimes in the don't do this, I tried it. Avoid it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right. Well, well guys, place, uh, it's been a blast. I mean, I could sit here talking all night, but um, I've actually got going and have my tea. Well, I think it's a, a massively successful weekend. It was, wasn't it? To reiterate the thanks to both you and Hammy for Absolutely. coming up with the solution when... when, when uh, that when was thinking on the fly, I can assure you. That was... I. Do you know, I, I was just determined we're not going to let bloody Boris Johnson changing the date and, and actually that's not a an anti that's not a COVID anti-COVID thing I'm just saying we were all geared up he changes the date so you we, we found a way around it and um, you know and, and I think it's also worth mentioning that when, when Hammy agreed to set this up it was arranged so that should anything happen it needed to be cancelled everybody got a full refund they did, they did. and a few people did have to drop out so they were fully refunded so and can I just say can Hammy. I just say the refunds were paid for by my little price support pool that we got left over from the last two years. So just stuff. So that's, so Hammy was not out of pocket either. Yeah, that was the um, sort of the PayPal fees, wasn't it? Yeah, all the fees were paid. So so everyone was a winner. Everyone's a winner. And nice. thanks for Hammy for dropping out so you could play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I ended with um, an uneven number between the two. I, I moved up to Battlefield Hobbies um, and Hammy was quite happy to let me play both days. You know, we could have tag teamed it. I do one day, he does the next. He was happy to run his store, and you know, he got and, and you know, food was provided for us at lunchtime as part of the part of the entry fee as well. Nice, all nice. And a, a shout out to Sid. Well, we missed you, Sid, and I hope that uh, I don't think he's got COVID. I think he's just had to isolate because his son went to the Wembley Super Spreader event. Yeah, it, it, it was a contact. It was a close contact. Yeah. Ping. Yep. So. Uh, I hope, looking forward to seeing Sid soon. Well, right. then I'll see him at Cross and Crescent. You'll hear my tummy rumbling if I don't go now. So thanks, okay. podcast listeners. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the the uh, this tonight's podcast. Thanks, guys. See you all soon. See you Thank soon. You. Cheers.